Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. We just had a meeting um, before all of our services, and, and I just kind of asked people, the, the starting question in the meeting was, what do you think of, like word association game or something like that, what do you think of when you think of the kingdom of God? And so many different answers came up, and in fact, even answers that were contradictory. Someone said peace, and someone said warfare. It's the thing that Jesus taught about the most But when you and I try to describe it, we come up with all kinds of different ideas. Fascinating. So Pastor Dick Foth teed this off last week, and so we're going to pick it up because that's where Jesus goes in his teaching. So grab your Bibles or your Bible apps. We'll be in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. Now, whenever I say grab your Bibles or Bible apps. I've had people come up to me after service and say, you know, I don't really need to bring my Bible because you conveniently provide the scripture on the screens. And that's very true, but you can't take, or at least shouldn't take notes on that. (laughs) You can't bring that home with you and build off of it. You can't take one week to the next and see how when we're going through a book like we are in Mark, how it builds off of one another and the notes overlap. And so um, especially for an unprecedented note-taking episode that we're gonna encounter next week. My favorite passage episode in probably the entire Gospel of Mark, and that is not an under- overstatement, uh, would love for you to make a note in your calendar maybe. Bring your Bibles. Here we go, Mark 4, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. What's the kingdom of God like? That's, that's how we describe what he's teaching this week and what we encountered last week. But here's maybe where we get a little bit lost. Kingdoms, for you and I, are, are mostly a relic of past history. I mean, we still have the United Kingdom today, but especially in our American worldviews, we have thrown off of much of the idea of a kingdom reign. For most of us, instead, we have more of what might be called a moral progress worldview. 
that the entire goal of human history and the governments that we choose and pursue has the primary goal of pursuing and expanding and overcoming challenges and obstacles in order to be bigger and better. And we love it when Jesus ties into that. We love it when the cause of Christ and the trajectory of the church ties into a positive, expanding, optimistic future, like yay for bigger and better. All things bigger and better is the definition of what we want in our worldview. And there's definitely parts of who Jesus is and what he intends for his church that do tie into that kind of a worldview. But then when you come across how he understands and talks about the inauguration of the kingdom, something gets lost in translation. And he talks about it a lot, and you and I come up with all kinds of different ideas of what he's talking about. It can be a difficult thing to to decipher for us. So let's even take the, the word, the English word that we've come to in the word kingdom. Like, Boredom is the state of being bored. Stardom is the state of being a star. And so kingdom is the state of being under the reign of a king. And biblically speaking, more than kingdom referring to a place or a location, it's more like an activity. It's more like an event or an experience. Pastor Foth talked about a saying from Dorothy Sayers last week, partially kind of quoting Jesus when she said, it's not here or there, the kingdom of God. It's not so much a place, it has to be experience. So I'm gonna take this opportunity and because kingdom is a translated word, I'm gonna actually take the the opportunity to, to change it. When we're talking about kingdom of God for today's purposes, I want us to instead think of it as the, the reign of God. R-E-I-G-N, the reign of God, an absolute control, absolute dominance and widespread influence, the reign of God. Maybe that, that little shift from talking about the kingdom of God and the reign of God might help us understand it, grasp it a little bit better. Because from the very first pages of Genesis, all the way through human history to Revelation, first, Mankind was tasked with the role of ruling or reigning as God's representatives over all of creation. And then all the way through Revelation, at at the culmination of all of human history, God's reign as king over people and over all of creation is a primary theme of all of history, all of existence. But the earth has become a space or a condition where God's will, his reign, isn't done. We took it ourselves when we took the fruit of that tree all the way back in Genesis. And you and I know this. We take control of our lives. We make the calls for the decisions we make. His reign isn't completely recognized in my life. He doesn't govern every decision that I make. And I'm sure, I'm certain it's the same for you, whether you recognize that or not. If you were here with us a few months back, I talked about a guy named Samuel. 
He's a guy in the Old Testament who, who ruled in Israel during a time in which the people came to him and said, we are throwing off the reign of God and we want a king like all the other nations around us. And that was a pivotal point in Israel's history, but it was completely indicative of the human condition from Genesis to Revelation. I don't want you to call the shots in my life, God. I wanna be like other nations or I wanna retain control. The human condition is infected with throwing off the reign of God. And as we heard in that video though, as we heard in that video and we celebrated on Good Friday, Jesus's crucifixion was viewed as the enthronement of God back on the throne of human history and of human hearts. That cross was the moment where God repositioned himself on the throne. The slain lamb for the sacrifice of sins into his great and glorious reign. So while, here's the thing, while people can claim that Christianity is an exclusive religion, you keep people out of this kingdom that you've talked about, the only people that are truly outside of the kingdom or the only people that are truly outside of the reign of God are there because they've chosen to put themselves there. They don't want to be under the reign of King Jesus. Yet, hopefully. And as a patient and creative teacher, what Jesus does, what we're encountering here in the Gospel of Mark is he provides all these kind of images, all these kind of normal everyday realities to explain to people, here's what the reign of God is like on a very clear and accessible and common knowledge basis. Here's what the kingdom is like. And so in today's parable, he breaks it down into two parables in today's passage. Uh, first, what's the reign of God like? It's like a seed growing. A human that scatters seed, a farmer that scatters seed on the ground does not have to be directly involved in what's happening with that seed once it's in the ground. That seed, as the passage said, is gonna grow. He wakes and he goes to sleep and all the while, that seed is doing its thing completely apart from human control. Right here, Jesus is making the point that the kingdom, the reign of God in our lives, moves in a way that we can't control, we can't manipulate. Just philosophically or linguistically, this is why as a, as a pastor or as a, as a leader figure in the church, I always strive to be very cautious of statements like, we're building the kingdom of God. Because it makes it sound like the kingdom of God or the reign of God is something that I can control or possess or manipulate. That is something that is far, far greater than anything I can control or manipulate. I'd much rather follow the biblical example here of referring to the reign of God as something that I might be fortunate enough to participate in, but what actually develops and how it actually grows is way beyond my control or my manipulation. God might choose to involve me however he wants, but that harvest coming happens regardless of my efforts. 
And also, like the seed growing is described in detail by Jesus. Did you notice that? He doesn't just say, a seed's in the ground and the farmer doesn't do anything about it. It grows on its own. He also described the stages, steady phases of development. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Even if you thought it was dead or dormant for a season, have you been there, planters? It's springtime. Even if you thought something was completely frozen, covered with snow, dead for months, even then, he says, even when it looks like it's dormant, growth may be happening. Take, take a look at this graphic behind me. You have a stump, something completely cut off and severed, and yet up pops life mysteriously. Okay, that's the kingdom, Jesus says. And in fact, it's a foreshadow even to when his life will be completely cut off and severed. Mankind will do everything that they can to cut off his reign. And he says the kingdom endures still. This teaches us. This teaches us that that the kingdom is something that we might have to be patient with. You and I might might expect and want the kingdom to move progressively, fast, like we see someone's life that that has come to follow Jesus and we expect that within 24 hours, it'll all be cleaned up and have a nice little bow on it. Or maybe it's your life that you're frustrated with. I've come to Jesus, I've accepted God in my life, but it seems like spiritually it's two steps forward, two steps back. It doesn't seem like it's progressing. This teaches us that that the kingdom's doing what the kingdom's gonna do in us and through us. And sometimes it just happens in slow but steady phases. I think that's why Jesus is always talking about grace. He's always meeting people where they're at in their journey with patience and grace. He's encountering guys like Peter that continually mess up. And he keeps saying, I know, you're a work in progress and I'm the one working in you. We'll get there. So sometimes when you feel frustrated that somebody in your life isn't progressing spiritually like they should or you are not progressing spiritually like you feel you should, maybe the fact that you want to, maybe the fact that that person is coming to you and confiding a temptation that they're still battling, maybe that's a sign that the kingdom is taking ground because that wasn't there before. They didn't care before. Maybe that's a sign something's taking root and the kingdom's moving. Signs that the reign of the king is impacting change. That's what the kingdom is like, Jesus is saying in this first parable. It's gonna do its thing. And we have to be patient with it. It comes sometimes in phases. And that leads us to the next thing of what the kingdom of God is like, the reign of God is like. It's like a mustard seed. And I love this. It really opens things up for me, verses 30 through 32 Because with this new layer of explanation, with this new illustration that the kingdom or the reign of God is like a mustard seed, it essentially is answering the question, why is the reign of God not more impressive? Have you ever found yourself asking that question (laughs) or being frustrated that the kingdom of God is not a more impressive movement? 
Why is it not more impressive? Well, with this parable that the kingdom or the reign of God is like a mustard seed, Jesus uses this very teeny example. I think we have a picture we can throw up of a mustard seed, a very teeny example. This reminds me of the speck in Horton Hears a Who, Dr. Seuss's book where where the elephant's carrying around this speck and, and it's got such small beginnings, but it ends up being so important. Incredibly small beginnings but things aren't always what they seem. Sometimes all it takes is a simple invitation to an Easter service one year or an unsolicited text message out of the blue to somebody or the faithful prayers of a family member over and over and over again. Sometimes you and I are shocked by how small And seemingly unimpressive things are at the beginning stages and they end up growing and developing into big fruit. If you've been around Timberline for a while, you've probably heard me share the story of one of the most pivotal seasons in my life. In fact, it's not just a season, it's a day. In fact, it's not just a day, it's an evening. It was February 2nd, 2014. Now, if this is Broncos country, we try to wipe that date completely out of our minds because February 2nd, 2014 would be the evening that the Seahawks put a massive beat down on Peyton Manning and the Broncos, 43 to eight. In fact, it didn't even seem that close, 43 to eight in the game. And one thing that plays across my mind like on repeat just vividly from that night, the game wasn't all that interesting, so we had to find something else to talk about, and and I remember exactly where I was standing when my father and my father-in-law both decided to share some input, some insights into my life, into ways that they thought I needed to hear and clearly wasn't really considering. They were sharing this input, these ideas, and the crazy thing is the small seeds of insight that they shared with me that night, I allowed to to kind of fester and grow a little bit. I took them home, I, I talked to my wife, I talked to different people about that. I, I allowed that what they had shared with me to mature in me. And it blew up into implications that would have made my jaw drop that night. If you could have just paused that conversation at the very end of what they had shared, paused that moment in history and said, okay, this moment right here, those few things that they just shared with you, this is going to result in a pursuit of a master's degree for you, a separation from a toxic church environment, a family relocation out of state, and the formation of lifelong friendships, and even dynamics that are still at play, still having their effect and bearing fruit still today. Things that are still developing that I'm going, you could trace that all the way back to those seeds of input that they dropped in my life. That's what the kingdom is like, Jesus is saying. That's what the reign of God is like. You and I tend to look for for big movements, big cultural shifts, when it's more often the faithful invitations for somebody to join you at a Bible study that changes the course of people's history. It's the student that gives you a smile and an encouragement on a day where you have been bullied and weren't sure that you were gonna be able to get through. 
It's steadily scattering seeds of Christ-like kindness throughout your life because you've allowed this, the word of God, to completely take root in your life so it just starts to bear fruit and starts to spill seeds everywhere you go because as John Rorvik shared earlier, that's how people encounter who God is. You and I, living more like Christ, scattering seeds and yielding mega fruit. When our souls and our thoughts become subject to the reign of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom is taking more and more space in us and through us. (laughs) And believe me, you've got a lot of spaces in your life that could use the reign of God to take over. I've got a lot of spaces in my life to become more like Jesus. I said it on Easter and I'll keep saying it until the day that I take my first breath in the perfection and in the presence of Jesus that I've got a lot of work to do to become more like Jesus. There's a lot of space in my thoughts and my actions and my motives that God's reign needs to take control over. You've entered into a messy church this morning. We've all got those areas. I'd hate for that to be a a shock to you, but it's the reality. All of us have these spaces where the kingdom of God needs to, to reign. And maybe we've just held on to control for too long. We need to allow the, the seedlings of the kingdom to take root and yield massive fruit. So what about those spaces in our life or in our world where the kingdom isn't reigning? Well, to kind of stick with this metaphor, uh, parable-like picture, it's like those spaces are the wilderness. Dry, barren, dangerous, uninhabited places, addictions, unrepentant disobedience, lazy discipleship. Like I said earlier, we've all got that. We've all got wilderness spaces in our lives. And here's the thing, before you feel like this may go down some judgmental or or tense feeling, I want you to think about this question. When God encounters his people throughout the history accounted for in the Bible, what are some of the spaces where he most often finds them and meets them? Wilderness spaces. Wilderness spaces. God comes to our dry, barren, chaotic, orderless spaces in our lives, and he meets us there miraculously. He doesn't come to us in judgment. He comes to us in hopes that his reign might establish itself there and take root there, and that formerly dry and barren place could grow into a flourishing paradise. Don't think that if God is trying to stir something in you that you're recognizing, I've got this wilderness space in my life, this thing that the control or the domain of God definitely doesn't have control of. If he's convicting you of that, that's not conviction that leads to guilt or shame. It's conviction that leads to hope. I wanna take that dry, barren wilderness and I wanna make it a paradise. That's what the rain of God desires to do in our wilderness spaces. Plant his seeds, allow his word to do its work in us 
and through us. So more than fill in the blanks this weekend, if you grabbed a, a physical outline on your way in, uh, take a look at that. If you didn't, uh, maybe you're on the Timberline app and it's there as well. And if none of that applies, then, then just listen carefully because the reality is that more than fill in the blanks, this is time for you to do some work with God, church. This is something I can't do for you. This authentic, honest reflection I just wanna ask two questions and then we're gonna give some space for you to answer them. Maybe you take this home and it's like homework a little bit later for reflection in your week and that'd be great, but I've got a captive audience opportunity right now. And I want us to have the opportunity to authentically not just come to a church service, but for each of us to encounter God's spirit asking these questions. So if you've got the physical outline, grab a pen in the seat backs around you we're just gonna have some space between both of these questions. Here's the first one. What are wilderness spaces in my life that need to submit to the reign of God? This first one's personal. Where am I grasping onto control and I need to release it to the reign of God? Maybe if you don't have the outline, grab your phone, make a note, because all of us have somewhere, something in our life that is an answer to this question. Let's take some time. Secondly, what are troublesome, suffering, chaos places that could really use the reign of God? For this next one, we're looking beyond ourselves. What are spaces that we can identify? Those are wilderness spaces out there in our community, in our world, in our country, in our state, our workplace, our home. What are spaces outside of me that could really use the reign of God? See, family, asking questions like this. If we are authentically on behalf of ourselves, reflecting and then allowing ourselves, not in judgment, but in care and discernment, looking at the world around us and saying, where does the kingdom need to come? When we are authentically asking that, we are pushing back the reign of the enemy. We are pushing back the control that, that the enemy of our souls and our own flesh are trying to take and saying, that's space that I need the reign of God to just pour over and take control. You do that in prayer. You do that by writing that note as a reflection. You do that by asking others to pray with you. And I wanna do that on your behalf right now. Let's pray together. God, I pray that this would be a church family here in person and online, that we would be people that are authentically open and receptive to where the reign of God needs to take some space. 
Where in my heart, in my life, am I retaining and grasping onto control and I need to let it go to you, God? To a good God, to a reign that I can trust, that truly has my best interest and the best vision overall for my future than I could ever even fathom. God, help us have an authentic reflection of personally in us where the reign of God needs to take some space. God, help us be a people that can pray over the the chaos spaces, the suffering and dry, barren wilderness spaces around us. That we don't come to those spaces with aggressive violence or hostile efforts. We come in prayer saying, may the reign of the king be over this place. May the peace and the order the strength and the faithfulness that his reign brings, may it bring truth into this space, love into this space, grace into this space. And on that note, God, I don't want a single person hearing me to miss the opportunity if that's the condition of their heart. If their heart has been a place where the reign of the king has not been welcomed, but today, all this talk about the kingdom that is enthroned by the crucifixion, by paying the price that each of us deserved, and that his desire for us is to be for us, for our good, that he would reign above everything in our lives, and that that person's soul would simply, even if they can't make sense of it all, right now, that they would simply say, King Jesus, I'm your subject. I'm under your lordship. I see your love and I see your invitation. That's me. God, I pray that 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 seedling of the kingdom would blossom in miraculous ways, as your kingdom always does. In your name, for your glory, for your reign. We pray all this. Amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit timberlinechurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.